0: Good morning, church. Hey, before we get into the message, we want to do something very special this morning. I want to ask you, if you have a smartphone, if you would take out your smartphone, um, and if you don't mind opening up your browser, and in your browser, type in the words, Foster the City RSVP, Foster the City RSVP, you should click on the first link that shows up, and it'll look like this. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. This should show up on your phone. You don't have to do anything. You're not required to do anything. I just want you to have that on your phone so you know how to find it. But as you're doing that, I want to introduce to you a, uh, just a wonderful couple in our church. This is Dominic and Rosie. Would you guys welcome Dominic and Rosie this morning? And uh, the reason why they're up here is because um, for over a year now as a church, we've been wanting to really grow in our awareness, our mindfulness, Um, Even our love and compassion for what the Bible calls the yatom, that's the Hebrew word for the fatherless. And we realize God has a heart for these children who grow up without parental guidance in their lives, whether they need to be adopted or they're in the foster system and need to be brought into a foster home. And so we've been working with an organization called Foster the City. And what they do is they work with churches to help equip us to provide a loving home where a foster child can come in and be cared for and loved on. And so their hope is that every church, their goal is that every church would be able to raise up at least one foster home. And we have actually had some of you already uh, become foster parents and and bring in foster children into your home. And The next uh, to probably do so in our church is Rosie and Dominic. And so this week they get to, uh, they've been, uh, they've received a placement and they uh, have two teenage sisters um, who they will be bringing into their home very soon. They'll find out this week exactly what they, um, they'll get to bring them in. Now. Many of you know that raising a child is very hard. We need the help of God. We need His strength to raise a child. It's always challenging, um, but especially when you're loving on children who aren't your biological children, who you need to build relationship with and build trust with. We need the help of God. And so, what we want to do as a church, we want to pray for them and uh, support them. And one thing that Foster the City does is it, it trains us as a church to come around the the foster parents. Um, with a support friends team. That's what we call it, the support friends team. And so on the stage, I have Brian, I have Pastor Rob, and I have Rosa. To kind of show what that looks like, uh, Brian and Rosa lead our chosen ministry, our foster and adoption ministry here at the church. Pastor Rob is our missions pastor, and we're all actually support friends. We're actually support friends for foster families. My wife and I have signed up to do so. I know Rob and his wife, Denise, uh, signed up to do so. But it's not just up to one family. We want to come around them with a team to pray for them, to support them emotionally, maybe run errands for them. If they have children, do some childcare, maybe do some yard work, maybe bring some meals. And it shows that as a church, we're doing this together. It's a big commitment for a household to say, yes, we'll do this. But it takes the household of God to do it together. All right. So if you're interested in finding out more of what it looks like to be a support friend, because maybe I can help bring a meal or pray for our family. That's what that thing you pulled up on your phone is. There's an orientation. It happens to be today at 1230. It's going to be at Calvary Chapel, South Bay, not far from here, just a couple miles, a couple minutes. And they'll tell you all about it. Within an hour, they'll tell you about what it looks like to join a support friends team here at South Bay Community Church. Um, There's one today. And then if you can't make today, there's a virtual one on February 27th. So maybe you can make that or another one after that. I believe it's March. Um, But it'll tell you, it'll be March 26th. It'll tell you on that form, and you could sign up for one, just about an hour or so. And then if you want to go through with it, we're going to hold a training here at South Bay Community Church on March 10th. So all that information will be given to you. But um, as we uh, move forward, let's pray. Let's pray for Rosie and Dom. I want to invite everybody, if you don't mind, standing. Let's stand and let's surround Uh, This family and ask that God would just really give them the strength and help that they will need. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for revealing to your church your heart, your heart for all people. You love the world so much you gave us your son. And Lord, you specifically show us in your word how you care for the Yatom, those who are without parents. Lord, that is not your design or intent. And so, Lord, we thank you so much that you have expressed your heart To us And, Lord, we know that it may not be natural for all of us to really love the things you love and for our hearts to be concerned about the things your heart is concerned for. But by the Spirit of God, Lord, you stir in hearts. And I thank you so much for what you've done in in families like uh, Dominic and Rosie, Lord. You've opened their hearts to this big, big ministry. And, Lord, as a church, we want to come around them and support them and say we are with you, Lord. We pray that they don't have to do this alone, that we can do this together. And we pray for these two dear sisters, daughters of God, you have created them. You've knit them together in their mother's womb, Lord, and we know that you have plans and purposes for their lives. We pray that through this experience that they would see that they have a father who deeply loves them, that they would know of the father's love for them, Lord. We pray that one day we would hear great news of how they I've come to know you personally and are growing in a love relationship with you that lasts for eternity. Our hope is that they would see you, God. So let them see you through Rosie and Dominic and through the church. Lord, we come around them. We support them. We lift them up to you in Jesus' name. We all say amen. 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 God, God, thank you so much for this couple. Continue to pray for them in Jesus' name. Thank you. All right. We're about to get into the words. If you have your Bibles, get those ready. Uh, first of all, welcome to anybody who might be new to the church, and uh, thank you for worshiping with us. My name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to say hi to everybody welcome, uh, watching online, or maybe you're at the well or in the worship center. I pray that the Lord speaks powerfully uh, to you. The face center, I mean. May, <laughs> may the Lord speak powerfully to you. Okay. Um, you know, it's amazing to me that. Almost every week, somebody will ask me, not every single week, but almost every week for six years now, somebody will come to me and say, Greg, how's your hearing? How's your hearing? Because we've been praying for you. And I appreciate that. Maybe you're newer to the church and you weren't here in 2018, but... Let me tell you what happened six years ago. Uh, six years ago, I was surfing in Huntington Beach, and it was a good day, and I was wanting to ride just one more wave before coming in. And on that last wave, I wiped out. I fell off. trust me, that never happens to me. I never fall off. But that day I fell off, and as I was in the white water, I was coming up and the surfboard was flung into my ear. And when I came up out of the water, the world was just spinning. Just this vertical, everybody, everything was spinning, and it turns out that it had ruptured my eardrum. And because I was in the water, water got in, and that water ended up infecting my ear. And as a result, I've had permanent high-frequency hearing loss in my left ear. And I've had this ongoing ringing, this tinnitus for the past six years that has not gone away. And so when people ask me, how's your hearing, um, I, I always explain to them, well, I can still hear. It's just certain frequencies I can't hear. And in a one-on-one setting, I could hear you okay. I can hear you fine. But it's just in loud environments where there's a lot of noise or a lot of voices that is very hard for me to hear, like in restaurants or in the church lobby. It's very hard because there's voices all around me, and it makes it very difficult to hear. Now, I've asked the Lord, God, if you've made me a pastor... And the church lobby is one of the most significant times in the week for me as a pastor, because that's when I get to interact with the church. Why did you make it so that I can't hear? Like, why haven't you given me my hearing back? I've asked him that. And you know what the Lord said? You know what I heard the Lord say to me? I don't know. I, could, I couldn't hear anything. Like, <laughs> I haven't heard anything yet, right? I still don't know why God hasn't answered that prayer, but I do know this. I can hear what you're saying in the church lobby. I just have to be very intentional. And you might see me do this. You might see me actually lean in a bit and even turn my right ear toward you, and I'll say, Can you say that again? What was that? Help me understand you. And it's very difficult, but if I lean in, I will eventually be able to understand what you're saying. And so for those who have asked me, how's your hearing, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And that's a little bit of an update of where I'm at today. But today what I want to do is I want to turn it around. I want to now ask you, church, I want to ask you, how's your hearing? How's your hearing? Because we're in Mark chapter 4 today. We've been in this 90-day journey with Jesus through the gospel of Mark. And if you read the chapter this week, we learned that those who have ears to hear will hear. And what Jesus teaches, it takes us leaning in with great intention to truly hear what Jesus is saying. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start reading from that in just a second. But in Mark chapter 4, if you were in your journals this past week, you saw that this is the first time where Jesus teaches at length. We see the content of his teaching. And you saw that there's a parable, a series of parables, parable after parable after parable. Now, what is a parable? Well, if you're new to church, a parable comes from the Greek word parabole. And that literally means to lay alongside. Para means alongside. So it's when you take a story or an illustration, maybe a metaphor or analogy, and you lay it alongside a spiritual truth or a moral teaching. A lot of people like to think of a parable as an, er- an earthly illustration to convey a spiritual or a heavenly truth, an earthly illustration to convey a heavenly truth. If you've been to our church, uh, even for a little while, you know that our pastors love to tell stories and illustration, give illustrations. I, for one, learn very well that way, and so I like to teach that way. And a while ago, I gave an illustration trying to illustrate what it's like to be sealed in the spirit of God and transformed by him. And I gave an illustration of taking Napa cabbage and sealing it in a brine and watching it transform into kimchi, right? That, that was an illustration that we use here. And I didn't know this, but Phil Smart, who's part of our social media team, he took a clip of that illustration and he posted it on our, on our social media. And it kind of that... That one clip kind of spread to people beyond our church, and they, they always tell you, if, if you want to stay sane and not lose your mind, they said, do not ever read the comments about you because the, the internet can be brutal. People on social media can be savage, these keyboard warriors, and so guess what I did? I read the comments, and, and I go to see what people said about it, and some of them were brutal. Some of them were savage, and there was one comment that stuck out to me, and she didn't say it exactly in these words, but the thrust of what she was saying was, just teach the word. And I've heard people with that kind of argument and attitude where they say, you don't need stories and all these illustrations, just teach the word. And everything in me wants to respond and say, do you know what the word teaches? I didn't do that, but I wanted to. And I wanted to say, like, for example, Mark chapter 4, where we are today in verse 33 and 34. This is what Mark said. It said, with many such parables, stories and illustrations, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And we know that of all Jesus' teachings that we have, at least a third of them were in parables. And Mark actually says, sure, he never taught without using a parable. And so Jesus, a masterful teacher, uses real-world examples and illustrations for the people in that time, in that place, to convey to them spiritual truths. When we were... uh, on our Israel trip, our last Israel trip as a church, one of the most uh, colorful and vivid moments for me was when we walked through Nazareth. We walked through this place called the Nazareth Village. And as you're walking through this village, this kind of place where Jesus very well might have walked through in that day and age, you kind of see around you why he used certain illustrations. Why it would make sense to the people in that place at that time. For example, here's one of the pathways we walked down in the Nazareth village. I'm gonna show you this. We walked on this path, and as you're walking on this path, you notice the ground, obviously it's not made of concrete, but it's very hard. It's very packed and, and hard, almost like concrete. And as you're walking along, you notice on the side of the path lining it are all these rocks. It's like this rocky place right here. And then beyond the rocks, you'll see plants bearing fruit. Some were olive trees. Some were vineyards with, with grapes growing off of it. Now imagine you're walking with Jesus in that place at that time, and you're walking with him, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're trying to listen to everything he's saying and teaching, and then he starts dropping some teaching on you. For example, in Mark chapter 4, verse 3 and 9, he says this. You're following Jesus, and he says, listen, highlight that word, listen. He says, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have as much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depths of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Would you highlight that last line? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And so Jesus shares this parable. And he's illustrating this spiritual truth to people who lived in an agricultural society. So they get it, right? They get it. Or do they? Or do they? I mean, you would think they would understand how different kinds of soils respond to seeds when it falls upon it, right? So then why do they have questions and they ask Jesus what this parable is about? If parables, here's what's interesting, if parables are supposed to help us understand heavenly and spiritual truths, why is it that sometimes we read parables and they're not so clear and so understandable? And maybe that was your experience this week as you were going through the parables on your own. How many of you came across a parable and you're like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to take from this? Like, I'm not sure what this means, and if that's you, that's okay. That's okay, because they weren't always so clear and understandable. How is that? Why is that the case? Well, I've realized that as I've studied this passage this week, that maybe the parables themselves weren't meant to help people understand God's truths. Definitely could be a byproduct, but that wasn't the primary purpose. And I think Jesus' parables were shared and used to teach to weed out, if you will, to weed out who really wanted to understand God's truth, to kind of see what kind of soil are we dealing with here. And I think they're actually meant and designed to identify the true followers of Christ, true citizens of the kingdom, What did he say at the beginning of this parable? He said, listen, listen. And he finishes that parable with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let her hear if she has ears to hear. So after this teaching, he he, he teaches this parable about these soils. He drops the mic, and then he goes off on his own, and the crowd kind of dissipates. They all go on their way, and he goes to get alone after the day of ministry. We get to verse 10. Here's what it says after he taught that. Verse 10, and when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. Now stop right there. This is significant. This is very significant. Why? Because it's not convenient that they should go and find Jesus to find out more. For example, after this message, I could give this sermon today and maybe you were confused about a part and it's easy for you to meet me here at the stage and say, hey, can you go over that one point again? Can you explain that to me? Or maybe you find me in the lobby and say, hey, I was confused about this one point. What did you mean by that? I'd appreciate that if you actually came, but that's convenient because we're here. It's a different thing if on Sunday night, after a long weekend of ministry, I'm at home and I'm vegging out, it's late in the evening, I'm on my couch just trying to recover from the weekend, and all of a sudden I get this chime notification on my phone. My ring app is going off and I look and I look through the camera and, I, and it's you standing on my porch. You're standing, I'm like, why is this person, and I say, hello, and you say, hi, Greg, I'm sorry, I just have a question about your sermon. Um, I I, I really need to know, and I I tracked you down, I found out your address, and I just wanted to come onto your porch and ask you this question. Well, first of all, that's weird. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that, but as weird as that might be, that would actually say something about you. That would actually be very impressive. As much as I don't want you to do that, that's very impressive, because that shows that you really want to lean in and understand the word of God. I'll go out of my way to find you so that you can explain it to me. And I think Jesus loves that. He loves when he sees that, that this small group of people, not the 12, but those with the 12 would find him in that place where he's alone. And so he says to them in verse 11 and 12, when they ask him about the parable, he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. For those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. That's a very difficult and highly debated passage. Jesus is quoting from the book of Isaiah. And when you read that, it feels like Jesus is so secretive, right? The secret of the kingdom of God. Almost like Jesus only has reserved the kingdom of God and its knowledge to a select few. Like he's trying to be cryptic. Well, understand this, that the word secret there is the word mysterion. It's the same word for mystery that Paul uses in his letters to talk about the mystery of the gospel. And if you understand it biblically, secret or mysterion is talking about something that was once hidden and not fully revealed and is now being made known. And so it's not meant to be hidden. The kingdom of God is meant to be made known, right? The next parable after this is the parable of the lampstand. You don't hide a light under a basket or hide it under a bed. No, you're, you're supposed to reveal it. And so that's the kingdom of God. It's meant to be revealed. God wants to reveal it. So then why does Jesus go on and say that those on the outside may see and not perceive and hear but not understand? It sounds like Jesus is really trying to keep it from certain people. Well, here's what I think is going on. I think Jesus is teaching through this introductory parable what the parables are meant to do. That the parables are meant to reveal the truth to some and conceal it from others. It's meant to be revealed to those who want it and to conceal it from those who don't, from those who harden their hearts. It's almost like a way to kind of test the soil. What kind of soil are we dealing with? Who's really intent on receiving the word? Who really cares to lean in and to really understand? Who has the ears to hear? They will hear. It's kind of like Van Halen. Van Halen was one of the most famous rock bands in history. And they were known to put on the most over-the-top shows, just high-production shows, extravagant lights, huge stages, large booming speakers, incredible sound. And the lead singer, David Lee Roth, was known to be kind of this prima donna, this rock star, this true rock star with a lot of demands. And it was known that whenever they came into town and had a show, they would have this thick A writer is kind of like a contract that lists all the requirements and all the demands that they have. Um, And and they would have a thick 53-page writer that tells of how they need everything set up, precisely where the speakers are, where they go, where the lights are. And then there would also be personal requests. Like in the green room, for example, this is true. They would need a dozen hard-boiled eggs. Wrote down, we need 12 Danian brand yogurts on ice. We we want real forks and knives, not the plastic ones. They said we want cereal, but not any cereal. Fruit Loops and Raisin Bran are the only ones we'll eat. And then in all this jargon, you'll see like between it's like sometimes randomly placed, like between Article One Twenty Five and One Twenty Seven that talks about where the speakers go, how how much amperage, and and where the lights are. In between is Article One Twenty Six. And here's what it might say in Article 126. It says, there will be no brown M&M's in the backstage area upon paying a forfeiture of the show with full compensation. In other words, he says, when we go backstage, we better not see any brown M&M's in the bowl of M&M's. You better pick them all out or we're not doing the show. We're out and it's at your cost. That's diva. And at the risk of having a reputation of being a prima donna, David Lee Roth is actually an an operations genius. Why? Because he explained why they put that clause in there. He explained it like this. He said, with all the liability and risk of the kind of production we were putting on and the kind of equipment we were running, it was absolutely necessary that the setup crew read the instructions and knew what they were supposed to do. And if I saw brown M&Ms in the bowl backstage, it revealed to me that they didn't read the instructions intently. And in essence, they don't care about the safety of the band or the safety of the people in the crowds, and we cannot afford that. We're out. And so what what he wanted to do, he wanted to make sure that the setup crew took great care to lean in and understand what was written. He didn't mean for it to be hidden. He meant for it to be read. You have to read this and get this. And in the same way, when Jesus told parables, it revealed who really cared, who cared to lean in and intentionally seek what has been written, what has been said and taught. And it's like Jesus saying, if you seek it, you'll find it. You'll understand it. I want you to find it. I want you to see it. And when you see the kingdom truth and how this earthly illustration connects and conveys kingdom truths, it'll sink into your heart and it will produce its fruit. And yet for those who don't care because it's too hard to understand, I'll just go about my way. It will never penetrate the heart. And over time, the heart becomes hard, and they will never understand or perceive the truths of God's kingdom. So if you want it, you'll get it. And when you do, then the byproduct of that parable is it does its work like any good illustration or metaphor does. You'll not just get it, you'll never forget it. Because it makes sense. But for those who never take time to see the connection and what it really means, you won't. Those who want to know will know. Those who don't, won't. And so Jesus, right, at the end of the parable, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear. It's like he's saying, he who really cares, let him come. Let him come. And so the group, the small group with the disciples go and find him. They come. They follow after Jesus. They find him in that lonely place. And they say, Jesus, they lean in and say, well, what was that you were saying? What, what did that parable mean? And so Jesus says to them in verse 13, in response, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? How many of you usually read this with that kind of tone? Like when I read this, it feels like he's rebuking them and belittling them for not understanding. You don't understand the parables? How dumb are you? Then I read again this whole week, I'm realizing I don't think that's the tone he has. I think the tone is more like, do you not understand this parable? I'm glad you asked. Let me explain. Why? How do we know that? Well, because next verse, he goes and freely explains what it means. He gives them insight. He says in verse 14, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes it away. He takes away the word that is sown in them. And then the second, these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. Then, when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And then third, others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches... And the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And then, fourth, those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixty-fold and a hundredfold. And so because they leaned in and they asked to understand, Jesus freely gave. He freely gave them understanding. He explained to them and broke it down into three things, the seed, the sower, and the soil. So let's look at how Jesus broke it down. First of all, he says the seed. What is it? Well, very plainly, it's the word of God, the word of God in which much of Jesus' teaching was about the kingdom. So the seed goes out, but who does it go out from? Well, the sower. And so the sower is the one who distributes the word of God or who teaches the word of God. then we get to the soils, and this is what it's really about. The soil represents the person. There's four types of soil, which represents four types of people who hear the word. And if you noticed, every example, they all heard the word. They all had ears. They could hear audibly, but not all of them heard spiritually. So three out of the four heard the word but weren't fruitful. But there was one that was. So let's, let's break down the four soils, and I want to ask you to think about which one are you? Which one are you? Because the first one is this. If you're taking notes, and I love to see that some of you guys have your books, um, there's a place for sermon notes if you want to use that. But the first is this. So number one, he, he hears the word or she hears the word, but Satan snatches it away so it never takes root. And there's no evidence that the word ever really sank into their hearts. It didn't even break the surface of their hearts. Now, I'm going to say this, and I know that in in a crowd like this, this is going to offend some of you. But I'm going to say it out of love, and I pray that you hear my heart in this. I'm I'm saying this, that there will be many of you who come to church, sitting here right now, or watching online right now. And you, you might even come every weekend. And you're hearing what's coming out from the pulpit, but it's never settling or sinking into your heart. Because you don't come to, to hear the word. Like you come, maybe, I don't know what the reason might be, but maybe to check off a box and say, I did my duty for the week. Or maybe it makes you feel good about yourself. Or maybe a family member asks you to come or is dragging you to come. And you're sitting here with no intention to really lean in and understand. And you just can't wait till this is over so you can get on with your day. Or you can't wait till you can just go out and eat the good food you've been wanting to eat. And some of you are going to be on your phones and you hope people think you're on your Bible app or the SBCC app. But you're really checking the stocks or the sports score. Or maybe checking your email or texting what restaurant you want to meet at. We have cameras so we can see what you're looking at on your phone. So no, I'm just kidding. We don't. But. but I want to say to you, beware the schemes of Satan. Because as soon as the seed goes out, as soon as the word goes forth from this pulpit, there's a real enemy who wants to snatch it and do anything to keep it from sinking into your heart. So I ask you, beware of the schemes of Satan. Lean in. Don't let the enemy snatch it away. That's the first kind of soil. Then the second kind of soil is, is a little different. The second kind of person hears the word but faces trials and tribulation and ends up falling away. This is a little bit different, because it seems like the word is getting in, and there's great joy, right? There's, there's excitement about it for a while, but we find out at some point there's no root or there's no substance. When we uh, went to Israel, we were walking through that Nazareth village. One of our team members, Willie, he sent in this picture to me this week. Uh, that's our team walking on the path, and in the rocky area, there's this plant that came forth and I'm sure that at the first sight of this plant that's growing up it's like, oh so beautiful, right? Like like flowers, purple flowers. But if you look closely, those aren't those are weeds. Those are weeds. There's no fruit on them and over time it will prove unfruitful. It's not bearing anything that we actually want. They're weeds. And this is important because Jesus is saying that there are some who are going to hear the word and there's going to be great growth and joy in the beginning and, and there's this, th- these emotions. Remember just the last message I preached, I said when we baptize people at this church, we, we speak to them, we gather them together and say, hey, this is going to be a very joyful moment as you go and get baptized in front of everybody. And yet what do we say? Uh, we want to encourage you that, Tomorrow, you keep walking with Jesus. You keep persevering and walking with Jesus. Why? What often follows after baptism? What do we say? Wilderness. That's what Jesus went through. And that might be literal after your physical baptism or figurative. Maybe it's just a joyful spiritual season, and it's often at some point in your life you find yourself in a desert place. And what happens in that desert place? Well, Sometimes you get robbed of your happiness. Why? Because it's in the desert or the wilderness that comes pain or persecution, comes trials and tribulation, comes sickness and suffering. So what happens when your happiness has been robbed? For many of us, if our faith has been built on emotion, that joy and happiness you felt, When you got baptized, everybody around you was so joyful and happy and that made you feel joyful and happy. And if that's all it was based on and the word of God never took root, then Jesus says many will fall away once those emotions are gone. And the word he uses there is the Greek word scandalizo. It's where we get the word scandal. It's never very real. There was no substance there. I think about James chapter 1. Have you ever wondered why he could so easily say, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds? Like, how can we consider it joy? I think it's because trials prove our faith, right? It's through that fire in the desert that everything is burned away, everything is stripped away, and for those who persevere, what's revealed, real golden faith. And when we go through the wilderness and through the desert and we can find that we have our faith still intact, that's worthy of great joy. That's pure joy. And so that's the second type of person. Maybe you're more like the third type of person. The third type is this. The third type hears the word, but the cares of the world and desire for other things pull them away. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things. I have a dear friend of mine who I met him when he first showed up at my old church. He had just gone through a terrible breakup, the worst kind of breakup you could imagine. And he was in depression. And so someone told him, you got to get to the church. And so uh, he found our church. And when he showed up, he and I, we clicked right away hit it off really well, and in fact, everybody in our church kind of gravitated toward him. We loved on him, and he loved this new community in the sense these people rescued him from his loneliness and his sadness, and he was so excited, and he started coming to church, Bible studies on Fridays, church on Sundays, for, for years, actually, and he got to a point where he actually helped started teaching the word. He even preached to our youth, and I would bring him to the Long Beach Rescue Mission to preach the gospel with me. And then down the road, he, he gets this job that was very lucrative and it promised even greater uh, success, but you got to put your time into it. you gotta, you got to really invest yourself. And so he was serious about that, and so he, he actually moved to the west side to be closer to where that work was, which meant he stopped showing up on Friday night Bible studies. And his Sundays became less and less frequent to the point where He just stopped coming to church altogether. And it was crazy for me. As one of my my closest friends, I watched him soar in his career. He he, he earned the money that he set out to make. He got it. And as he soared in his career, I saw his faith get choked up because of the concerns of the world, the desire for other things, and the deceitfulness of riches. One day, he was preaching the word of God. This day, today, he no longer claims Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. We've had conversations and he no longer believes Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That breaks my heart. And I know that there's different theologies. I know there's Calvinists and there's Arminians in here. And there's that conversation, can you, can you ever lose your salvation? Is it once saved, always saved? I, I know all the arguments and all the talk. All I know is this, one day he was teaching the word of God. Today he no longer professes Christ as Lord. And that is one that Jesus says will never experience the fruitfulness of of the kingdom of God. Lastly, there is one more soil, and this is a good soil. And Jesus says this. He says the fourth kind of soil are those who hear the word, and it sinks in deep, and it produces fruitfulness as a response. In other words, it produces the the proof or the evidence that this is a lifelong kingdom follower of Jesus it's the difference between hearing and really hearing it's the difference between audibly hearing with your ears and spiritually hearing with your heart there's an eternal difference and so this introductory parable of the soils is helping us understand how parables work in general how do these parables work Right, Because it's showing us that the good soil will be the person who really cares to look into what's being taught, who really yearns to go deeper and understand the truth of Jesus' teaching. They're the kind who would perhaps follow after Jesus, show up at his doorstep, show up when he's alone in that place, end up on his porch to meet with him in private. They're the kind who wants to meet with him in that private place so that they would learn it further. Mark chapter 4, verse 34, I take you back to that last verse. It says, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, his followers. Not just the 12, but his followers, he explained everything. I love that there's been great evidence of good soil. Where uh, many of you have really taken the, the opportunity outside of this weekend time together to go deeper. One example, and this is only one, this is the only way, but many of you have actually taken this to heart. You've, you've embarked on this 90-day journey with Jesus. And we're hearing about people really spending time in the book of Mark. And, and I love that, that there's this intentionality that I'm not just going to lean on the, the, the word that comes out from the pastor, from the pulpit, but I'm going to actually meet with Jesus in private. I'm going to get alone in that quiet time and, and, and help and hope to go deeper in my knowledge of him. There are many of you who have joined a a growth group. We started these growth groups where you signed up to get together with a group of people to really discuss and share what you've been learning, process some of the things you've been taking in. Some of you life groups have been doing that on your own. I heard this past week really encouraged that there's a group of young men who started a text thread, and they text each other every day the things they've been learning in the book of Mark as they've been going through it. And everybody will chime in. And that encouraged me. I was encouraged by that. I started it this week with a friend of mine. I said, hey, would you text with me every day? Let's text what we're learning. And so I was inspired by that. And you could do that too. You could start that today. It's not too late to want to go deeper. I got to give a shout out to a sister in our church who um, I remember the first week we introduced this journey that we're going to go on these 90 days. And in the lobby, we're in the lobby and she's like, I don't know if I could do it every day. That's too hard for me. And her daughter was there and I was there and we're like, you could do it. It's such small bite-sized passages. You could do it just a few verses every day. She's like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I've been so encouraged to find out she's been doing it every day. How do I know? Because well, she posts her updates on her social media. This is what I'm learning. This is what I took. And then there's many posts where she says, I have no idea what I just read, <laughs> right? Like, uh, <laughs> But I love it. Why? Because she's living out Mark chapter 4. And she had no idea what I was preaching today, but, but there will be days when she's sharing, like, I am so confused, and then she'll share what she thinks it means, and she's reached out privately to some people on staff. And for example, here's a screenshot of the me- one of the message- messages she sent in this week about Mark chapter 4, not knowing what we were preaching about. She said, okay, question, my friend. How come Jesus taught with so many parables to the people? Like, he really likes parables, but sometimes they're like riddles you have to figure out. I just read today's scripture already, and I am 100% lost. How many of you can resonate with this, sister? But I love it because that's good soil. That's somebody who's trying to read the the word of God and understanding that I'm not getting this. And instead of saying, well, I don't get it, I'll just wait till tomorrow's passage. She's saying, no, I want to get it. So I'm going to do what it takes to find out what this means. And she's leaning in. That's good soil. I want to ask you, what kind of soil are you? What kind of soil are you? I want to close with this. At the beginning of this chapter, Mark chapter 1, it says, very large crowds were following Jesus. I mean, there was buzz. Like people are seeing what he's teaching, hearing about what he's been doing, all the miracles he's been performing, and so there's this huge crowd, the largest crowd Jesus has seen to this point in his ministry, and yet Jesus is filtering out the crowd, and he's trying to see who are the true followers of Jesus, who really wants to hear, let them hear, and and there's there's this huge crowd, and it speaks to me because if we can be honest, there's a large crowd coming on weekends here at the church. It's growing, and you know, this past week, some of our staff, we were looking at some of the numbers and the trends through the years, and we were looking at January and February of 2020. This is before COVID hit, and we were growing. We were booming as a church. We compared that January and February to this January and February, and we've seen that we're reaching 100% more people. We have doubled in the amount of people we're reaching on a regular weekend, and so the, the crowd is growing But that's not the win for us why because we realize that a large crowd can simply be a large crowd of fans Jesus fans people who love good music and who who like to receive a word and they could all just be fans that's not the win remember in our chasing after the win series we did last fall and we're trying to define what the real wins we want to count are it's not a larger crowd it's when we help people find and follow Jesus Christ That's the win. Not a lot of fans, but those who find and follow, who are serious about walking with Jesus, growing with Jesus for eternity. But we pray that in this crowd, as we get, we pray that all here, all here would have ears to hear what Jesus is saying. That everyone in the crowd, that's a win. if everyone in the crowd would lean in and after the singing stops and after the mic drops, when everybody would just go on their way, we go on our way. But throughout the week, we're following after Jesus, that we're looking for him in that private place where we want to get alone with him and say, Jesus, take me deeper, teach me more. I want to understand you. And when I understand you and I get it and it sinks into my heart, help me to produce everlasting fruit, lasting fruit that proves that I am a follower of Christ. Because we don't want to be fans in the crowd. We want to be followers of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Lord, would you soften the soil of our hearts? Would you bow your heads? Let's, Let's come before the Lord right now together. And let's ask the Lord to give us that kind of heart, the kind of heart that receives his word. Lord, we bow our heads right now. We thank you so much that there's a place to gather. Lord, that for those of us who are watching somewhere remotely, that there's a channel to to tune into. But Lord, we pray that that this wouldn't be all it is for us, Lord, that beyond today we would go deep with you. Every day we would follow after you and find you in that private place. and That the cry of our hearts would constantly be, God, help us understand. Take me deeper. Show me further. I want to be more like you. So I'm following after you. God, thank you for this church. I love this church. And I pray that none of us would be characterized by the first three soils. But, Lord, that the fruitfulness of our lives will prove that we are that fourth one. So, Lord, we, uh, we just want to sit in this, receive it. Lord, we want to respond by truly, sincerely singing from our hearts, crying out to you. Lord, we want to build our lives upon you. So take everything that we have, Lord, and make it yours. We pray this.